When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Get ready, Vikings Nation! Welcome to Purple and Gold for Days, where my friend and yours, Mr. Justin Day, dives headfirst into the Purple and Gold universe, delivering the latest updates and commentary on your favorite team, the Minnesota Vikings. You are listening to Purple and Gold for Days, a Vikings First and Skull production. What is going on, everybody? It is great to have you with me. It is Packers Week, round one, in Lambeau Field, and it's going to be glorious. It is going to be spectacular. Oh, I cannot wait. After coming off a Monday Night Football victory against the San Francisco 49ers, Allegedly the best team in the NFC or one of the two best teams in the NFC and maybe the entire NFL. A great performance by Kirk Cousins, Jordan Addison, Cam Bynum, and the entire offensive line for once. And we played an almost complete game. And I say almost only because we left some points on the board. But that's okay. We still got the W. Got a few things to clean up still, but we can get this game in Lambeau Field and get back to 500 and come upon the easy part of our schedule. Oh boy, we still got something left. We still got something left. If you don't already subscribe to me on YouTube, that is Purple and Gold for Days. Please give me a subscription on YouTube and help me build this Vikings community and also subscribe to the Vikings First and Skull YouTube page. Between the two pages, we got all kinds of live content throughout the week. First and Skull's got shows Monday, Wednesday, and Saturday, as well as Sunday at the two-minute warning. Purple and gold for days. I've got Monday night, Tuesday night, Thursday night, Sunday morning, and sometimes Sunday evening as well. So give us some subscriptions on YouTube and help us again grow this community of Vikings fans. Over the last 30 years, there have only been two, count them, two games where the Vikings have faced the Packers. With a starting quarterback not named Brett Favre or Aaron Rodgers. And guess what? They're two and four, and they're complaining like they're two and 11. It's like you're only six games into the season, and you guys are already saying, Ugh, this sucks. Oh, this is terrible. This whole team is terrible. Fire the coach, fire the general manager. What did you expect was going to happen when you got rid of a Hall of Fame quarterback? What did you expect? (laughs) We're going to get into this game. We got a few talkers. The NFC North Roundup. You know what? We know that we've got the Vikings facing the Packers, and that's going to be the bulk of the show. So let's talk about our other friends in the division. The Detroit Lions, after getting mollywopped by the Baltimore Ravens, They've got the Monday night football game against the Raiders. They're favored by eight points. I think they win by at least 13. 
would love to see the Raiders beat the Lions, but uh, after getting Molly Wop, they're going to want to prove something. So you can count on a Lions win. But hey, Monday night during uh, Skull for Days, Monday night recap, we'll be cheering against them. We'll be cheering against them. The Bears get the Sunday night game. So our other two compatriots in the division get both of the primetime games. Bears against the Chargers. Chargers favored by eight and a half points. They should beat the Bears handily. But, you know, the Bears looked pretty good last week. <laughs> when Justin Fields wasn't on the field, so to speak, they look better. They look better. This Tyson Bagnet, Bagant, I don't even know how to say his name. This Tyson guy, Tyson feeding you like family. He was feeding his receivers the ball, and he looked pretty good. Now, again, I know. Who were they playing? The Raiders. The same, yeah, the Raiders. So we'll see. The Chargers will be a little bit of a better opponent than that. So that's your NFC North roundup, ladies and gentlemen, outside, of course, the Vikings and Packers game. First half struggles. Okay. We all know that the Vikings have not done a very good job of scoring in the first half of games. For forever, we hadn't scored a point, and then we get a couple field goals, and uh, last week we finally got a touchdown in the first quarter. Yay! Can you believe it? We got a touchdown in the first quarter. We've had a total of 13 points in the first quarter. 13 to seven games. That's less than two. And it's not a bunch of safeties, ladies and gentlemen. It's just like, really? Now, here's the deal. The Packers in the first quarter, well, really the whole first half, they are even worse than we are, as a matter of fact. As ridiculous as that sounds, they are even worse. They scored no points in the first three quarters against the New Orleans Saints and found a way to win. Minnesota Vikings have scored 13 first quarter points and 62 second quarter points for a total of 75. Through seven games, that's just almost 11. That's not very good. But check this out. The Packers have scored 13 points in each of the first and second quarters all season for a total of 26 first point, first half points. 26. What does that tell us at the end of the day? What are we saying here? You can get on top of these guys early and often if you stop turning the ball over on your first or second possession of the game. You could be up 24 to nothing on these fools. Okay, do not let these first half struggles continue. Stop turning the ball over. Don't be conservative. Go out there and blow the doors off of these guys because they haven't scored. But 26 first half points, 13 and 13. And we thought we were bad. We got 13 in the first quarter. At least we got something in the second quarter. But my goodness, they are so bad. It was funny. I occasionally after the Packers lose, I'll listen to Packers wine line because it's just so entertaining. But the guy was just like, we're a terrible first half team. Well, you're a terrible team altogether. Okay, you beat the Bears. Whoopty ding dong. I mean, you beat them by more points than we did. So I'll give you it. I'll give you that. And who else are you? Who else have you beaten? Oh yeah, the New Orleans Saints. And you were down seventeen to nothing going into the fourth quarter, and the Saints just fell apart. Okay, I'm just saying, get on top of these guys, mollywop these guys. There's no reason, and I get it. Said the same thing about Carolina. Said the same thing about Chicago, but no. There is nothing that the Green Bay Packers have. They got so many guys on injured reserve and so many guys that have been all but ruled out and or going to be questionable that there is absolutely no reason. They got nothing for us. Nothing. If you can beat San Francisco, albeit at home, 
and really control that game and realistically could have really had more points on the board than we did. We left a lot of meat on the bone. I said that Tuesday. I'll say it again. They left a lot of meat on the bone against San Francisco. But all I'm going to say is this. Just get on top of them early. Get on top of them often. This is your get right week to get right about not scoring a whole lot of points in the first quarter and, you know, realistically not scoring that many points in the first half. I'm just saying they are ripe for the pickings. They are ripe for the pickings. One more time, Jair Alexander, maybe, maybe not. At the end of the day, you should mollywop these guys, but at the very least, come out swinging and put them out of their misery right off the bat. We all wanted to be like Mike. Sometimes I dream that he is me. Can't you see that's how I dream to be? Dream I move, dream I groove like Mike. And Jordan is not like Mike. I'm just going to say this one time and one time only. Jordan Love is garbage. Absolute garbage. Now, I get it. He hasn't had his full complement. His left tackle has played his last game in Green Bay, and Dave Bakhtiari, he's, he's, he's done. Okay. And Aaron Jones has had, you know, some injury issues. And AJ Dillon, you want to know what AJ Dillon is? Unfortunately, he's Alexander Madison. AJ Dillon is a good change of pace back when Aaron Jones has done does his thing, kind of like Dalvin Cook did his thing, and then Madison would come in. But AJ Dillon, yeah, he's a bowling ball and he can be tough to tackle, 247 pounds, whatnot. But here's the thing Jordan Love is absolute garbage, trash garbage here's what you do defensively you just bring the run blitzes all game long and you tackle no missed tackles okay no missed tackles that's all you need to do to stop this Packers offense don't let Aaron Jones and uh, AJ Dillon beat you let Jordan Love try and beat you, which is not to say that if you put so much effort into stopping the run game that Jordan Love can't occasionally complete a couple of passes. I'm not saying it like that, but what I am saying is he can't beat you. So all you need to do is stop the running attack because Jordan Love is not like Mike. Okay. He's just terrible. He's just absolutely terrible. Again, He's the quarterback of the team that's got 13 points in the first quarter and 13 points in the second quarter. Had an opportunity week two against the Atlanta Falcons. Got the ball back. All he needed to do was get into field goal range. Okay, so you scored 18 points against the Saints to get your second victory in uh, week three. Okay, that's nice. But the Saints are just kind of whatever. They kind of gave that game away. What did you do against Detroit? Nothing. What did you do last week against the Las Vegas Raiders? You put up 13 points. When your defense gave you every opportunity to beat the Raiders. Excuse me, that was two weeks ago. I beg your pardon. Beg your pardon. But my point is, is that you let the Raiders beat you 17-13. You put 13 points up against the Raiders. And then last week, the beyond bad Denver Broncos and Mr. Unlimited. Yeah, there's an unlimited. Russell Wilson, come on. Your defense only gave up 19 points. I mean, 19 against Denver is probably a little more than you really should, but 19 points. You still should have been able to do better than that. Jordan Love, go ahead and make, go ahead and make Jordan Love beat you. You know, Ivan Pace only got like two or three snaps in the last week. Ivan Pace will get more snaps this week, I think. I think B-Flow, you know, against a team like the 49ers and Brock Purdy before he got concussed. Yeah, they were going to play 
big nickel pretty pretty near the whole game. I think we're going to see a little more of Ivan Pace. And like I said, just stop the run. Jordan Love can't beat you. He can't. He just can't. A blessing in disguise with Justin Jefferson being out for four weeks? Really? Okay, let's think about this for a second. Take the best wide receiver and arguably the second best player off your team for four weeks. That could be a blessing in disguise. Maybe, just maybe, because you know what? Kirk doesn't have Justin Jefferson to rely on. So he's got to get comfortable with his other wide receivers, KJ Osborne, Jordan Addison, and a little bit of Brandon Powell too. I mean, listen, I haven't talked about Jordan Addison yet because there's only so many superlatives I can use with how ridiculous his game was. Once again, Monday night football, Vikings wide receiver in their rookie season. He followed in Randy Moss footsteps. That's for daggone sure. I'll tell you what, this kid is unbelievable. And the fact that we've got him and Justin Jefferson together, <laughs> whether it's Kirk Cousins or whoever the next quarterback is going to be, you've got two number one wide receivers on your roster. But I digress. Can it be a blessing in disguise? Maybe on some level, yes, because again, it allows other players to have an opportunity to step up. I would like to see a little bit more from KJ Osborne because if I don't see more out of him, first of all, let me say it like this. Jordan Addison, when Justin Jefferson gets back, better be the number two wide receiver. I don't want to see K.J. Osborne getting more snaps than Jordan Addison anymore. If you want to do more three wide receiver set, fine. I don't care. But no, K.J. Osborne should not be the number two wide receiver on the depth chart. Jordan Addison should be. Having said that, I'd like to see a little bit more out of K.J. Osborne in Justin Jefferson's absence. They had a couple of nice catches, but just kind of whatever. Just kind of whatever. And this Brandon Powell kid, he impressed. He impressed Monday night. A couple of big catches, third down receptions, jet sweeps, all the things that we've been asking KOC to do to be more creative once in a while and not just try the same stuff over and over again. I'm just going to say it right now. Kirk Cousins, when interviewed yesterday, was had some glowing reviews about Brandon Powell. Let's see what he had to really, say. He was a college running back who really is a receiver, you know, and, and so... It's been amazing his football journey and how he's carved out a career for himself. And uh, watching him in training camp, the way he played, you could just see, like, this guy separates versus man coverage, and those guys are hard to find. And he's a playmaker, and, and he's pretty natural. And having been a college running back, he's going to be physical in the run game. He's going to understand what he has to do to help in other ways. So, you know, I texted him after the game and just said, like, the, the player you were on Monday night is kind of the player I see you being game in and game out. It's kind of what I expect from you because I think you do separate versus man, and I think you do make plays after the catch. So we're fortunate to have him. Now, let me say this. Y'all know my opinion of Kirk Cousins and how I have, when he deserves praise, praised him, and when he deserves criticism, criticized him. Kirk Cousins is coming off, in my opinion, the best game of his career with the Vikings. And I know that might be recency bias and all those sorts of things, but when I look back at the All-22, at a couple of huge throws that he made, he had a lot of clean pockets, and he took full advantage of it. There have been times when he's had clean pockets and didn't take full advantage of it. And we'd be like, what are you doing? Oh, well, the offensive line didn't play well. Yeah, but look at these seven plays where they did play well, and he only took advantage of it once. He took advantage of the great offensive line play, and he got everybody involved. The fact that Kirk Cousins <clears throat> said what he said in that interview when he was asked about uh, Brandon Powell, that's some leadership. 
Okay. That's leadership right there. Hey, he's got this, 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 and this. And I called him and I told him, this is what I need from you. And this is what I expect from you. Thank you, Kirk. Thank you. That's what we're talking about. And you know what? Maybe he feels more emboldened to do this with Justin Jefferson not playing. That's what Justin Jefferson normally does. And with Jefferson out, Kirk is doing a little some of that. Thank you, Kirk. Oh, Kirky boy. That's what we've been talking about. Be a leader. Don't just sit back and be a guy that says, oh, I just work here. You're not just one of the worker bees. You're a supervisor. You know, the coach is the managers and the general manager is the district director and the owners are the CEOs. You, for a long time, only wanted to be a guy that works here. You wanted to be one of the worker bees, even though you weren't getting paid like one of the worker bees. That's why sometimes we said, hey, man, you need to do more. And Kirk's done more. Again, half of those plays that he made that I saw on the All-22, some of them were clean pockets, put them right where they're supposed to be. Some of them were not clean pockets, and Kirk didn't panic like he sometimes has done. Kirk shuffled his feet to the left, shuffled his feet to the right, stepped up in the pocket and delivered darts. So, yes, thank you, Kirk. Keep that energy. Keep that fire and desire to be a leader, not just a guy that just works here. So blessing in disguise. Maybe I would have liked to have seen this just happen organically, that we don't need to miss Justin Jefferson for four games for this to happen. Having said that, you've got wide receivers stepping up, Jordan Addison, Brandon Powell, K.J. Osborne just kind of doing his thing. And by the way, T.J. Hawkinson, welcome back. Thank you for not having the dropsies. So he was another part of that equation as well. But I'm just saying the biggest part of this blessing in disguise, theoretically, isn't just the other wide receiver stepping up. It's Kirk Cousins. And I never thought I'd say that. This is the leadership that we have desperately wanted him to be. He stu- he did some of the leadership stuff last year. Don't get me wrong. But, and again, I know Mike Zimmer didn't let him be a leader. You know what? If you're a leader, you don't care. You go to your upper boss and be like, hey, I can't work with this guy. You don't just sit back there. Oh, I just work here. Not now. Kirk's definitely not that. And if you can bottle that up, both on the offensive line as well as Kirk Cousins, and keep that same energy when Justin Jefferson gets back, okay, we got some particularly with how well the defense has been playing and how the defense has ascended each week. I mean, the defense shut down San Francisco, 17 points, one on a blitz that got you got burned because they had a perfect play call, and one was in a two-minute drill. 17 points to the 49ers? I know they didn't have Debo. Fine. Who cares? They played a great game, and they've been ascending. You know, before I jokingly said, hey, we only win when we score a defensive touchdown. Okay, didn't score a defensive touchdown. Got three turnovers, though. Cameron Bynum showing the world what he's got going on. Three turnovers. Okay, so three turnovers or uh, a scoop and score or a pick six. Okay, we can take that. So I'm going to say is this. Find a way to bottle this up, because the one thing I don't want to see is I don't want to see when Justin Jefferson gets back, it completely throwing off the chemistry and throwing it back into what it was before he got injured. I get it. Kirk Cousins is going to see Justin Jefferson as his first option, his third option, his fourth option. 
I get it. He's the best wide receiver on the planet. He should be your first option. But don't feel like I can't spread the ball around because I got J.J. out there. It's great when Justin Jefferson has 120 yards in the first half. But I don't want to see that. I think You know what's funny? It reminds me of everybody. Hey, can J.J. get 2K this year? I don't want J.J. to get 2K because that means nobody else is really doing much. If you get J.J. 2K and you get Hawkinson, you know, 900 to 1,000 yards, and you get Jordan Addison 800 and K.J. Osborne 700, no, I don't want that. Just to get Justin Jefferson 2,000? No. I want Justin Jefferson to have 1,600. I want Jordan Addison to have 1,300. I want TJ to have 1,100. I want KJ to have 900. And I get it. That's a lot. But my point is, no, I don't want to see JJ get 2,000, at least not at the expense of the rest of his teammates. If you're still able to spread the ball around and go 98 Vikings or 99 Rams or 2,007 Patriots, fine. If you're putting up 40 points a game, then I don't care. But there were times where Justin Jefferson would have 150 yards in the first half and have nothing in the second half. Well, again, if that's because the rest of his teammates are picking up the slack, then that's no big deal. But there were times where all we had was Jefferson. KJ a little bit here and there. Ja a little bit here and there. Now that you don't have Jefferson, we have shown what this offense can do when it spreads the ball around. So when he gets back, save that energy. Keep that energy going. Because if this offense is diversified like a fine portfolio, you want to be diversified. If this offense can be diversified and not rely so much on J.J., oh, we're going to be tough to stop. We're going to be tough to stop. Will they be buyers? You know, it's funny. Two weeks ago, I said, will they be sellers? And then they win two games in a row. The one in Chicago, unimpressive. The one on Monday night, impressive. I don't think they will. I would like to see a move or two, particularly in the defensive backfield with the cornerbacks and the defensive line with the defensive tackles. That's what I want to see. I don't want to see another running. I don't want to hear about um, Derrick Henry. I want to hear about any running back. No, 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 no. We got can We traded for Cam Akers. I'd like to see him and Ty Chandler get more touches on the ball um, and take a few away from Alexander Madison. But no, I am not listening to anybody tell me anything about bringing in more running backs. No, thank you. No, thank you. Well, <clears throat> if you haven't seen the uh, Washington football team, <laughs> they're doing a fire sale. Now, there's a part of me that is tempted for Chase Young, but here's the thing. Chase Young, if I recall correctly, <clears throat> yeah, he's in the final year of his rookie deal. And I don't remember if the Washington football team picked up his fifth-year option or not. But either way, either way, uh Unless you can get him for, well, we don't have a third-round pick. I wouldn't be giving up more than a third-round pick for him, and we don't even have one. We have two fourth-round picks because we downsized our third-round pick to Detroit's fourth-round pick uh, as another uh, piece of the TJ Hawkinson trade. Would I give up my first for him? Hell no. Would I give up my second? Probably not. Probably not. No. Now, Grandpa Dave from First and Skull asked me this question a couple weeks ago when I was saying, hey, if we lose – to the Bears and or the 49ers, we need to sell off pieces. And he said, well, what do you think about Patrick Sertan? And I said, I'd love to have him, but I can't see this team selling and then buying at the same time. Well, now they could be buyers. We know they're not going to be sellers. The only way they'd be sellers is if they get Molly Watt by Green Bay, and I don't think that has any chance of happening. So 
Would I love Patrick Sertain? Yes. Would I give up my second and one of my fourth round picks for Patrick Sertain? Yes. Do I think Patrick Sertain could be obtainable for a second and a fourth? No. I think it would cost a first because he's a damn good cornerback. He's one of the top five cornerbacks in the league, if you ask me. And he's still got a year and a half of his rookie contract. So he's got year number four next year, the possibility of the fifth year option. So it's going to cost a little bit more because he has such a great contract value right now. We always talk about, you know, quarterbacks on rookie contracts are so valuable if you can get them to be, you know, average to above average to maybe even great because then you can spend money. Cornerbacks are the same way. And that's what Patrick Sertain is. He's got, again, a year and a half. This is year three. So he's got half a year of year three. He's got all of year four plus the fifth year option possibility. It's going to probably cost you a first round pick. Um, There is nothing, nothing that I would trade my first round pick for, for, you know, buying at the trade deadline. Well, Aaron Donald, which of course could never happen because of the salary cap constraints. Uh, well, Patrick Mahomes, but let's get serious. That's not going to happen either. Um, so to me, yeah, if you could get Patrick Sertain for a second and two fourths. Yeah, absolutely. Yes, absolutely. Cause you can fit him under this. We got 8 million in salary cap and he's only on the books for 1 million. Plus you're going to prorate it for the rest of the season. Would I do that deal? Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. I would do that deal. Patrick queen linebackers, just not a need right now. I mean, like we said earlier, you're barely using Ivan pace and you got Jordan Hicks. So yeah, I'm sorry the Patrick queen thing. No, I, I I'm not going with that, but like I said, would I be intrigued by Patrick queen? Sure intrigued but not unless you're going to get him for like you know a fourth round draft pick that's just me though so at the end of the day will they be buyers we'll see we will see like i said if there's a deal to be made that doesn't cost you your first then i'm listening to it but who are you going to sell now you're not selling daniel hunter now you're not selling um jordan hicks now kj osborne's the only one maybe ezra cleveland those are the only two guys now now that you won that game against San Francisco and you sh- you showed us something, nah, uh, yeah, I'm not. But again, had you lost to San Francisco, yes, I would have said sell KJ, sell Harrison Smith if you could, sell uh, Hunter, Ezra Cleveland, anybody who's not going to be back next year, I would have said sell. But after winning that game, uh, that's just not going to happen. The Packers are like third from the bottom in run defense, and they're number 10 in pass defense. So, yes, get all of your running backs involved early and often and set up that play action and then get the passing game going. Then get the passing game going. That's what I say. So with all that being said, final comments and final predictions. As I said, defensively, just stop their run game because Jordan Love cannot beat you. I'm not saying don't cover their wide receivers. But I'm saying put 80% of your effort into stopping Aaron Jones and A.J. Dillon. Because if you can do that, Jordan Love cannot beat you. He cannot beat you. So all I'm saying is blitz the run every play. And if they don't have the ball, keep on going to the quarterback. Because if you can pressure Jordan Love, he's even worse than when he's not pressured. And he's not any good when he is not pressured. So as far as offensively. As I said earlier, get out to an early lead, step on their throats. I know it's kind of a broken record, but as I said, they have only scored 26 points, 26 points in the first half, 13 in each quarter. They are ripe to be down at halftime. 
So put 24 points up on the board, go into halftime up 24 to seven or something like that. And you got this. And we back to 500. My final score prediction, Vikings 38, Packers 10. We mollywop the cheeseheads in Lambeau Field. And we get back to 500. And after starting out one and four, we could be on a real big winning streak. We're not going to get ahead of ourselves, but we got Atlanta, New Orleans, Denver, Chicago, all four winnable games before the bye week. Eight and four, seven and five into the bye week. Woo-hoo, after starting out one and four, woo-hoo, we can do something. We can do some damage. But for now, for right now, thank you so kindly for joining us. Join Vikings First and Skull on the YouTube page this afternoon with two old bloggers at 4 o'clock Central Time, where Darren and Dave will give their intensive breakdown on the border battle number one for the season and join me on Purple and Gold for Days on YouTube around 1110 Central Time as I do the Purple and Gold pregame show. Thank you kindly, everybody, for joining me. And for now, as always, Skull to the next episode. You're listening to Purple and Gold for Days, a Vikings First and Skull production. This has been a Vikings First and Skull production. Thanks for listening.